Welcome to this episode of Liberate Her. My name is Jasmine Benson. On this podcast, you will hear inspiring stories of women who built success from the ground up. On this episode, I had the pleasure of sitting down with Quincy Booker, owner of the Sweet Life Studio here in Chicago. On here, she will share uh, what made her open up her business as well as some protective hair care tips for the winter. Take a listen. To be sitting with Quincy Booker. Um, she is a stylist. She is the owner of the Sweet Life Salon. Um, she's a mother, she's a wife, and I'm thrilled to just talk to her a little bit about her journey to entrepreneurship. Uh, we're also going to touch on some comparison issues, and then she's going to give us some natural hair care tips for the cold. Absolutely. So, welcome. I'm so excited to have Thank you. How are you? I'm good, despite Chicago's bitter. It's so cold, y'all. It's like 30 below Absolutely. outside. It's crazy. It's insane. So go ahead and um, just tell us a little bit about yourself. Tell us where you're from. Um, and then a little bit about your education to, um, within the, the field that you're in. Okay. Um, Quincy Booker, of course. Um, I grew up on the west side of Chicago, East Garfield Park. Yep. All my life. So um, I moved to the south side as an adult. Got married. Um, have a son. He's 18. No, he's 20 months. He'll be two in April. So. Um, <laughs> But um, my education, all based here in Chicago, um, during my sophomore year of college, um, I was at Columbia studying uh, arts and media management, and I just had this strong desire to do hair. Um, beforehand, it was just a hobby. Yeah. I was that friend that just, you know, whip you up real quick in the kitchen. Yeah. You know, I'd give you a good kitchen do some braids. Yeah. You know, those are really popular. Um, I had a really strong desire to go to hair school. And I was actually watching a reality show, and someone was doing hair, and I was like, I can do that. Like, I've been doing this forever. And my parents thought I was crazy. Um, I was a straight-A student. Nobody expected me to go into the arts. Uh, if you would ask one of my classmates from high school, it would be like, you, should, you probably would have been a lawyer in politics, right. you know, the whole nine. So it was a bit of a wild card for me, but I followed it anyway. Um, and I went to the Aveda Institute um, up north, and I graduated in 2011, got my cosmetology license, and began to work in my field as an apprentice. Uh, with a few stylists um, from Michigan Avenue, um, South Loop. And I just, I'm a really quick learner, hands-on learner, so I kind of picked up as I went. But um, I remember um, being a, a huge dreamer when it came to uh, what I wanted out of my career. I could do makeup, I could do hair, so I was like, if I could find a way to like mesh it all yeah. together, that would be great. But I was discouraged from doing it by um, some stylists. And it kind of sent me in this whirlwind of trying to figure out how this was going to work. Mm-hmm. Um, it kind of threw me off of this big dream that I had. And I just kind of went into like a roundabout circle with my career. Yeah. yeah. So how did your, you kind of spoke on about like your family and friends. Like, why would you go to art school? So even with that, when they found out that you were switching from, even from art to cosmetology, how did they, you know, kind of respond to that? Nobody really said, you crazy, but you could tell that it was kind of like a what? You know, because I didn't just go to beauty school. I quit college, you know? So, and I was in my second year. 
Um, and even in college, I, I, even though I was a great student, it was still kind of like, why am I here? Like, I don't really know yeah. what this is about. But uh, beauty school kind of gave me that push. Yeah. And my mom, she's degreed, you know, my dad, hard worker. You know, I came from a few generations of, you know, college grads. So it was an expectation that I would just do well yeah. and that I would keep going. So yeah. it was kind of weird. <laughs> yeah, and you know... When it's a when it's a family tradition, it seems it's like they want you to fall into that cookie cutter way that they path path out for you, mm-hmm. and it's almost as if you are the rebel just because you don't want to you know follow in their footsteps. Mm-hmm. So that can be, I know that can be like hard mentally, right? Yeah, and they didn't like condemn me for mm-hmm. it. They were just like, all right, right, support you. I don't know, you know, where this is gonna go. So my dad. You know, he gave me some money to go to school. My mom would come visit me, and we had um, our finals were models, so hair color. So my mom would come and, you know, be my model. But it was still kind of like, okay, we don't know where this is going, but we we're, we support you enough, you know, right. to be there. Okay. Um, so that is kind of what you were doing before um, you took the leap into entrepreneurship. You were working throughout Chicago with different stylists and apprenticeships. Um, so talk to us about that and what it was that, you know, gave you that desire to venture out on your own. You know, I really did not find a home. Um, I have worked with some amazing stylists that have given me great advice, but there was something extra that I wanted. I wanted a certain feel, um, because I know, and I'll just give this example because it's kind of, you know, just one. You know, within the black hair care industry, we don't have longevity, you know, and if we do have longevity, you know, we hang it on by three. Yeah. And then, you know, I would look at other cultures when it came to hair, and there was more of a respect. Uh, There was longevity. There was growth. Um, And I wanted that. And I figured, why can't we have that here? And not only just for me, but for those who are behind me, other stylists who are extremely talented and creative, they need an environment that will educate them and encourage them and push them to either, you know, continue in the steps of what I created or to create their own if they so desire. And I just didn't have that, so I wanted to create it. And I wanted to be excellent, you know. I love that. Um, Not just doing your craft, but actually impacting others so they can follow behind you and you can actually like motivate other women um, to do the same thing. Mm -hmm. I think that's amazing. Um, Talk to me a little bit about how it felt when you worked around different stylists that kind of, I don't want to say like douse your fire, but you had that dream to, you know, I can do beauty and makeup. I can do hair and makeup. So what did it feel like to be around people who you thought would encourage you, but they actually did the opposite? It was really hurtful. Um, and it wasn't that they were trying to hurt me. Right. They were trying to give me the give me the game, mm-hmm. you know. But it created a ceiling on what I wanted to do and what was possible for me. Um, and I and I do understand that, like when you've been jaded because you haven't gotten something mm-hmm. that you really wanted, it creates this cloud over your perspective, and you unintentionally throw that on other people. Mm-hmm. Um, so for me, it, it, I was in this state of confusion with my career, almost to the point where I quit. Wow. Where I was getting ready to be like, you know what, I'm going to be who they thought I was going to be. I'm going to go back to school. I'm going to study history, psychology, law, you know, and I'll just be regular, you know. 
Um, but it, it, it really confused me for a very long time. I would say probably two to three years. Wow. I was just in this cycle of, you know, just um, routine, go to work, come home, go to work, come home, uninspired, um, just not knowing what would be next. So what was it that kind of woke you up or like that light bulb moment? Was it the fact that you you wanted to just change that environment or what was it that like sparked it? So I was, I got married in 2015 um, and before I got married, I attended this conference uh, that my husband was singing at and at this time I was creating a whole plan to be like, I'm going to get married, I'm going to go back to school in the fall, I'm going to finish this degree and then we'll go from there and God completely intercepted like right before I took a wrong turn uh, by way of a, a word, you know, from the Lord um, that I would be owning this salon and that salon and I was going to be great and mind you, even when I heard it, I didn't believe it. I was like, but I'm getting ready to quit, like you don't even know what my plans are. But, you know, it's kind of like the scripture says, I know the plans I have for you, said the Lord. Um, and that's pretty much what happened. So even after that, I didn't jump into it. I knew that there was a deficit in my heart because I had so much unbelief. Um, so what I did was I sat myself down. Um, and I took a break from everything. Um, luckily, you know, I was in a state, you know, financially with my husband where I was able to not work for a while. And I also was pregnant, yeah. you know. So it's like, what do you mean I'm about to own something? Yeah. I'm pregnant. I just got married. Like, I don't know what the rest of this is going to look like. So I sat down and I allowed my heart to really be fixed, mm-hmm. you know, so that I could, you know, go after the future that I knew was out for me you know so that was pretty much what ignited it so after I had my son um, I started working at home Mm -hmm. Um, I needed to get my license reinstated so I knew I couldn't go back into the salon but you know how you had those four or five people that's like well you can always do my hair I don't care where you go so I was just doing them and they're like close family Mm -hmm. friends but um, it was about a year of me being back into the salon and I was almost pushed out into starting my own because wow. I didn't think I was ready but my business began to grow exponentially wow. and I didn't expect it especially within such a short period of time mm-hmm. and um, I almost didn't start the salon because I was so scared mm-hmm. I thought I'm like I'm not ready I'm gonna fail like I'm making a little bit of money but it's not like you know six seven figures mm-hmm. where you know if I fail I can just start back over it was really a risk but, you know, when you take a risk at the right time, it can produce, you know, great things. Yeah. And I didn't know that that year that I took off and the year that I started working back in my field, that my heart was ready. Mm-hmm. You know, it was almost like I was being prepared without knowing it. Mm-hmm. You know, like the karate kid. Wax on, yeah. wax off. What does this have to yeah. do with, you know, with, with karate? Yeah. But you don't know that, you know, you're being built and your heart is being set right so that when that time comes, you can just jump. Yeah. And I jumped. That's how the sweet life came. I just jumped. <laughs> That's amazing. Sometimes you don't even realize you're in the process until the end of it. Mm-hmm. And it's like, oh, that's what this was about. Absolutely. Oh, that's why I had to sit down. Mm-hmm. That, yeah, that's amazing. So in your time of, of sitting, did you plan at all? Or did you really take that time to just kind of cleanse yourself from, you know, the past experiences? To kind of just renew yourself, renew your mind? Like, how did your, your period of not doing anything go? It was a 
real time of reflection um, because I don't think we realize how much our history plays and what we believe we can do in the future. So that failure that I felt from not being where I wanted to be by a certain time, I threw my timeline away, um, I threw my expectations away, and I took the limit off of my expectations. I gave myself grace to develop because, you know, we're like, okay, if I start now, then I'll be here then. And it's like, no, what you want to do is start and keep going because if something happens in the middle that causes you to be discouraged, you don't want to be so discouraged that you quit. But if it happens, you're going to recover. So that quit got out of me. I didn't want to quit anymore no matter what came. Um, And my heart was pure. I wasn't bitter towards anyone. You know, I wasn't in competition with anyone because, you know, to be honest, my field is an extremely competitive field. So, especially in a city like Chicago, you can look to the right or to the left and find somebody who does exactly what you do, you know. So that whole thing of comparison got out of me. And I just had the confidence knowing that what I had was valuable. Uh, We have to take some time to know that, you know, what we were born with is enough, you know. And even if someone else does it, they don't do it like you. They do it like them. And even if we sat in the same classroom, learned the same information, the way you do it and the way I would do it would still be completely different, you know? Yeah, that is something I've definitely learned um, in the last year, Mm -hmm. Um, especially like launching out a blog and launching, you know, a magazine and a podcast. Everybody's blogging. Everybody's doing podcasts. So that almost made me quit as well. But I had to really recognize that just because this person writes about the same topic, mm-hmm. it doesn't mean that they're touching my audience or people that were created to receive from, mm-hmm. you know, the voice that's within, within me. So um, comparison can can almost completely, like, reroute, actually, what God wants you to do because you're focused on the wrong things. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I almost learned to be inspired mm-hmm. by what other people do. Because there's really no need to compare. Because there's always going to be a difference. Absolutely. You got Malcolm and Martin. Yeah. They had the same goal. Yeah. Completely different approaches. And neither one of them were wrong. Exactly. I'm sure that's up for debate exactly. in some minds. But at the end of the day, they were both successful at what they right. did. And they, yeah, they got their message across. And they both had the, a following. Mm-hmm. They both were relevant. They both knew the value that they brought to Absolutely. the people that they were leading. So I, th- I think that's amazing. Um, so even with uh, with comparison, do you ever have a moment where did or did you in the past have a moment where um, you noticed maybe if you had a friend who was going into the same field or a friend who um, you know felt like they had to compare themselves to you? Talk to us a little bit about how that uh, may have played out for you. You know. It's definitely been a thing more than once. And what I kind of have learned that when there is some bitterness in my heart, I have to be quick to correct it. Yeah. You know, I can't let that linger because then it begins to destroy the relationship. Um, And I've had the pleasure of having great relationships with people in this industry. But then when I see it from someone else towards me, I don't get upset. You know, we do this thing where it's like, oh, I'm not worried about my haters or, you know, if you feel like you need to be in competition, we bump you. I'm still going to do better. I'm still going to get my money. And it's not about that. It's really about empowering each other. 
you know, because you know that that comes from some deeply rooted hurt or bitterness or low self-esteem. So if you can be like, hey, not even saying to that person, I know this is what you're doing, but just loving them where they are. Some people are not capable of supporting you the way you need to be supported. So you have to reach down and love people where they are because at the end of the day, the goal is still the same. Yeah, it's to empower each other absolutely and to grow and impact lives around the world. And they'll appreciate you for it, whether they say it or not. You know that they'll know that that battle is in their heart and yeah. not in your heart. Yeah. And even though, even if they're still in competition, there'll still be a mutual respect. Yeah. You know that yeah. you two have. That's good. Um, I'll say it's really hard to not compete mm-hmm. because you still compete in a way because you have to gain business. You have right. to be competitive in your field, right. you know. But as far as like from person to person, what I do is I take something that I like from what you do and I try to, you know, master it. If I feel like I can use it, yeah, I'll take it and, you know, be like, okay, let me see what this looks like. Yeah. You know, and if I know that something is not my specialty because... You might be good at glam makeup. Mm-hmm. And I might be good at formal classic makeup. Yeah. You know, I just don't try to be something I'm not. Mm-hmm. I don't have to do everything. Yeah. But what I do do and what I know I'm good at, I master it. Because yeah. nobody can take that away. I feel like your level of skill and your mm-hmm. level of excellence and the actual um, work ethic that you put into mm-hmm. it is always going to be invaluable. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so share. Uh, two things that you do to uh, not only stay current Mm -hmm. but to set yourself apart without having to feel like you're comparing okay um i stay true to myself um the best thing you can do to set yourself apart is be yourself yeah because there's nobody like you um i used to have this um almost like this this What's the word I'm looking for? I had this paradigm mm-hmm. where I felt like because I would see women who were louder or yeah. with you know more outgoing personalities, I would see them succeed, and I felt like well I don't have that personality. I'm a bit introverted. Mm-hmm. I prob- I'm probably not gonna you know be as successful as they're gonna be, but that ended up not being true because I believe that what I bring is a piece to people. Yeah. Um, what I bring is genuine. You don't have to guess my motives. Yeah. And for some people who don't have your motives, that's kind of off-putting. But at the end of the day, what I do, what my hands touch is going to be real. Yeah. Um, the way I love is going to be real because I believe that what I do is a love language. Yeah. Um, and it's really healing, you know. So I know that that's what I bring to the table. So it keeps me from being like, well, I have to be like somebody else. Definition will keep you from having to be like someone else. That's good. And when you allow yourself to be defined, you know, and be okay with how you are defined by God, how you are crafted by God, yeah. you don't have to compare. Yeah. Um, another thing I do as far as like my craft, I stay up on education. You know, this is not just an artist type of feel. This is like fashion. Trends change, techniques change, techniques get added. And you gotta make sure you stay abreast because at the end of the day, Sorry, someone might come in and be like, I want, they're not going to say, I want an asymmetrical bob. They're going to say, I want a Taraji bob. Yeah. So if you're not up on pop culture, you're going to miss the whole thing. You know, people don't know 
specific language. They know culture, Paris culture. Yeah. They know trends, Paris trends, you know? That's so good. you gotta stay up on the style, you know, how things are done. Because at the end of the day, we've been doing the same hairstyles for the past 200 years, you know? Extensions aren't new, haircuts aren't new, hair color is not new. But there's just new, um, new spices being put mm-hmm. on it, you know, every every cycle that comes back around yeah. with the new fashion. So yeah, I love education is key. Yeah, I never thought about even um, that you have to be up to date with pop culture. Mm-hmm. Like that's a great like, yeah. tool to to kind of keep in mind when yeah. doing something like that. Mm-hmm. Um, okay, so give me um, a word of wisdom or. Um, motivation that you would tell to a young woman who may be in that same spot in college, you know, battling between what her heart is telling her and what her family is telling her, or, you know, someone who's in a field, but they really want to jump into the beauty industry. What 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 word of wisdom would you would you share with them? I would say because, you know, a woman in college you know, trying to define what she really wants to do with someone who has an established career in a different field. Those are two different extremes. So I don't want to give a blanket. A blanket. So I'll kind of break it up into this. I would say know why you want to do what you're doing. Okay? And that why is what helps you to not quit. That why is what keeps you going when maybe clients aren't looking as much or somebody else has come on the scene and it seems like they're getting more than what you're getting. Um, Because it happens, you know, and you have to stay confident that this is what you're doing. Another thing is stay consistent. You don't have to start big Mm -hmm. in order for something big to happen. Mm -hmm. You have to start with consistency. If you're doing the same thing every day or the same thing every week to help your business grow, to help your um, knowledge grow, to help your technique grow, then do it. If you start off with some friends, if you start off, you know, on YouTube, if you start off, you know, just watching other people, that's okay. Don't feel like your process has to be defined in one avenue because everything is going to come together from different streams, different streams, different streams, different streams, you know. I have some advisors now that are not even in my field. Mm. So don't put a cap on what you, on who you think you can gather information from. Yeah, that's you know, uh, because it's not, it can't be defined. Your process cannot be defined. Yeah. Only your why can be defined. Yeah. So I would say that is probably the biggest thing. Yeah. I learned a beautiful thing from a friend of mine, Janae Brinkley. She expounded a little bit on the why factor. Mm-hmm. And you know, when I thought about why previously, it was like the reason behind why I am pushing this business or the reason behind, you know, why I feel like this podcast is important. She broke it down where the why is actually like the the letter at the end of family mm-hmm. community it, it was so many that's different good. elements to the actual why mm-hmm. um, and it was just beautiful so it's not only just the reason yeah. but think about the audience that you're going to impact from um, you know birthing out that dream that's actually in your heart so yeah I, I think that's that's really key and I think that probably my biggest why at this point is because I have to go get me yeah you know if somebody came to get me when I was in that state of confusion not knowing how for, how much further along would life be yeah. and that doesn't mean that my process 
process now is in vain. Yeah. That just means that I know what I have to do outside of, I have to make money because I have to have influence. Mm -hmm. So money is a why, but it's not really the money, it's the influence. Right. The influence is gonna get me you know, into places and open doors that I otherwise would not have had. It's gonna get me to talk to people that I couldn't talk to without the money, you know? Yeah. And with that, I'm able to create opportunity for me, for the me of, you know, the next 10 years, yeah. you know? You have to launch, you know, it's a launching pad. I've defined myself as a launching pad for other business women. You know, even if it's not in hair, you know, if it's in, blogging yeah. or you know fashion you know I need to have something in my account to put into you I need to have somebody I can call yeah. to give you a word of advice or a word of encouragement or yeah. a word of wisdom so it's really about that launching pad that I'm building right now yeah. that is beyond me Q-Faith artist, you have to live beyond me. Absolutely. You know, it's all about legacy, which is another line that she talked yeah. about. Yeah. Um, and even community. So it's not just you, it's reaching back and grabbing everyone to come with you. Absolutely. Uh, if they want to go, because if they don't want to go, they can stay where they are. Absolutely. <laughs> no, they wait. <laughs> Absolutely. I love it. Um, so. It's cold outside. Absolutely. It's freezing. Freezing. Um, give us some tips, maybe just one or two, um, for winter months. Like, what, what is best for natural hair or for um, relaxed hair? What are some things that you do or you encourage your clients to do to retain, you know, moisture, things like that? Um, probably the top thing that I will say is go visit your stylist at least once a month. Yeah. Um, I know everybody is not able to get in that two-week appointment, yeah. but if there's somebody else needs to look at your hair, mm -hmm. you know, to be like, there's a little something going on right here, let's rectify it before the springtime, mm -hmm. you know, because we get to the point where we have to get major haircuts or, you know, have to completely change our routine. Yeah. And the thing about it is our hair changes just as much as our skin changes. Mm. You know, your skin gets drier in the winter. Your skin yeah. gets lighter in the winter. Yeah. Um, you know, it doesn't respond to certain products the same way that it did in the summertime. So you need a whole re reboot, yeah. you know, when the winter time comes. And the only person I can tell you that is your professional stylist, right. you know, um, who's into hair care. I know every stylist is not into hair care, but everybody needs one that can say, hey, let's give you a cut right now. Let's give you a treatment right right now. Let's, yeah. let's treat your scalp right now, yeah. you know, so that when spring and summer comes, you can thrive in all Absolutely. of your beauty. Okay, no magical. Absolutely. <laughs> the other thing I would say is have the right products mm. um, because that will maintain your hair. Okay. Um, some people's hair needs a little bit more protein than moisture. Mm. Some people's hair needs a little bit more moisture than protein. Mm -hmm. So you need to make sure your products are surrounded around what your hair needs. Because yeah. a lot of times we get what smells good or yeah. you know what's the good product on the market or um, you know what lager put on mm -hmm. their side. You know what I'm saying? And you know then you get that product junkie syndrome. So you want to just be sure that you are using products that are beneficial to your hair type and what your hair needs. Yeah. So. And then, this is real grandma, but line them hats with satin, because that wool and those uh, different fabrics that are on our coats and jackets and pillowcases yeah. can rub our hair out. So My grandmother told me that, and that is something I actually said. It's true. I am so glad you just <laughs> <laughs> It is true. 
Yeah, because my mother and my grandmother used to always say it's gonna break off and you're gonna walk around in the spring and your hair yeah. gonna be at your shoulders. Yeah. yeah. Wow. I know we think it's real old school to have grandmothers take that scarf and put it around her Yes. Yes. <laughs> it makes so much sense though. <laughs> That's so funny. Um, so in the so this is essentially protective season. Mm-hmm. Um, what are some mistakes that you see uh, women do when they go into those protective style modes? Mm-hmm. Um, one of the main ones I see is that they stop doing their hair. Mm-hmm. Um, they'll put it in a sew-in, yeah. or do some braids, and leave it in forever. Yeah. Haven't you know put the essential oils in the scalp? Haven't washed it. You know, and it's just there. You yeah. know, it's just build up going on that scalp, and you know, it sounds disgusting, but it's true. Yeah, you know, it, it's what happens. So that's definitely a no go. The other thing is that people get styles that actually don't protect their hair texture. Mm. I see a lot of people with fine hair getting braids. Yeah, and the truth of the matter is that that can break your hair off depending on your hair texture. Mm-hmm. So you have to find the right protective style for your hair. You might not be able to wear the protective style that lasts three months, you know? Yeah. Or, you know, you might not be able to pull that hair back so much because what's going on on the edges is too much tension. So we tend to choose styles that add tension to our hair, mm-hmm. and then it's not really a protective style. So that's the main no-go yeah. that I see. <laughs> it's so important to really just know you absolutely you can't do everything that everyone else can do mm-hmm. and that goes across so many lanes but especially in hair care even with me um i know you probably saw me at church i had braids that were really cute though they were so nice <laughs> i had them literally for a month because oh. they were so tight right here and I thought I'm not losing my interest. Absolutely. So I I had to do what I had to do, even though I did spend, you know, a couple hundred dollars yeah. on it. It was great while it lasted. It was convenient. Yeah. But in the long run, I have to do what's wise. Mm-hmm. And I have to take those things mm-hmm. out. So you really got to know what is best for you. Yeah. And I have seen so many young women with traction alopecia yeah um traction alopecia doesn't come from like a medical condition but it comes from that tension that pulling and i'm like these women are in their 30s and 40s you know my mother-in-law she's 60 and she still has a full head of hair yeah but she's in a salon every two weeks yeah. so you know what i'm saying so you kind of have to pick wisely what you're gonna do with your hair because it's very important we think oh i'm just getting this to be fine mm-hmm. but no because that alopecia is it's devastating. Come back. It's devastating. Yeah. And sometimes that hair does not grow back. So yeah. you really have to pay attention to yeah. your hair. That's really good. Um, so, last couple questions. If you could go out for coffee and pick anybody's brain, just sit down with them and talk to them, who would it be? Oprah. Yeah. That's such a comedy. <laughs> I mean, she's super wise. Yeah, she you know? absolutely is. She has, like, brands all over the place, yeah. you know? And it's very clear that her name is written in history, absolutely. you know? In a political realm, in a fashion realm. Yeah, education. Education, entertainment, nutrition. nutrition. Yeah. She has launched so many careers. Yeah. And that's what I want to do. Absolutely. You know what I'm saying? Um... And when, oh, when she went off TV, I grieved because I was yeah. like, Oprah's been on TV my whole life. Childhood. And she's leaving like the world is over. Yeah. 
Yeah. But, I mean, she inspires so many, mm-hmm. you know, and with the click of a finger or the right of a pen, the woman can make some things happen. Absolutely. So I just love her influence, her tenacity, and she's not the typical look, mm-hmm. you know, she's not the typical feel of what we think um, when we think about beauty or, you know, what society says beauty Absolutely, or what it looks like to succeed. She yeah. just does it, and she's yeah. like, I'm here, and yeah. I love it. Yeah, I love that too. She definitely is inspiring for me because uh, lately I've been having so many different ideas and just um, initiatives, and in my heart of hearts, yeah, I really want to be a nurse. I'm still going to be a nurse, mm-hmm. but there's been so many other things that have opened up to me, and it's almost like, mm-hmm. that doesn't even go with the medical field, but she really shows me like it doesn't matter and two, it's possible to to really put your thumbprint on multiple things in the earth. So Absolutely. I love her for yeah. that. Can I have two people? Yes. <laughs> yeah. My second person would be Michelle Obama. Oh. Because I, I mean, not even she's so dope. Mm-hmm. And my thing is I had this fear that like if I was married, the only thing I could be was an ornament. Uh, and I wouldn't be able to yeah. especially like my husband you know he's a, he's a force within himself yeah. you know he's amazing and I have always needed that example of how to be a supportive wife a mom and a dope woman yes. and I think she has all those now with yeah. the grace and the poise that is just unmatched yeah. you know so she's so graceful and she she's her own woman outside of her marriage absolutely and I actually think you know President Obama loves that about her too like it's it definitely takes um, strength in a man to be okay with a woman that's secure and to be okay with a woman that has goals and Mm -hmm. and vision Mm -hmm. absolutely yeah Um, so the final statement the magazine is called uh, liberate her so this is your moment to speak to her whether that's you know a daughter a mother a sister what would you say that would liberate her and launch her mm-hmm. into, you know, being uh, faithful in her dream or just being able to leap into to her destiny? Mm. I think that I would say no matter where you are in life, there is still a you that you don't know yet. Mm. Don't be afraid to get to know who that is. I think that we live in such fear of the future and even fear of success or fear of failure that we just won't take the first step. And that's all it takes to get to the future is that one step. So get to know that woman that you don't know yet. Don't be afraid of her. Embrace her. Give her grace, you know, and you'll get to where you're trying to go. If you just do that, Mm -hmm. you will get to where you're trying to go. Don't be hard on her, you know, because we're so hard on ourselves. Um, when she makes mistakes, forgive her. Mm-hmm. You know, when she, um, you know, when she doesn't feel like she's everything that she should be at the moment, give her time, be patient with her. Yeah. And she will be liberated. Yeah. Free her. Absolutely. You know, and let her live. I love it. Thank you <laughs> so much. That is liberating. Okay, forgive yourself. <laughs> Tell 
next time, thank you guys so much. Adios.